Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. At Carvana, we're in the business of driving you happy. And with the widest selection of used cars under $20,000, you're bound to find a car that'll put a smile on your face. Carvana gives you control by letting you customize your down and monthly payments. You can browse tens of thousands of cars online to find one within your budget, and you won't get surprised with any bogus fees. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to shop for a vehicle. Carvana, we'll drive you happy. Availability may vary by market. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Right. Hello, everybody. Hey. How's everybody doing? Hi. Killer. Hello, Internet world out there. How are you all doing? Hello, everybody hanging out ahead of the fish show tonight. How is everybody doing out here? We got the horns. We got horns. With horns. 
with horns. My name is Brian Brinkman. I am part of Osiris Media. I am so, so, so excited to be hanging out here outside of the Chase Center uh, in this beautiful plaza. Thrive City. Thrive City with some of my closest friends here to talk about a small little band from Burlington, Vermont named Fish. I'm gonna let everybody introduce themselves here and then we're gonna talk we're gonna talk a little bit about fish. Hi, um, I'm Aliza Alishant. I uh, I'm a voice on fish radio, longtime fan. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> hey. <laughs> Fans vlogging around, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm Benji Eisen, longtime listener, first time caller. Hey, I'm RJ. Nice to see everybody. Um, this is so amazing being out here there are people waiting in line over there i think for to get down to the floor right those, is that, well, where we those, are? that line's for posters and then the the line right there next to the arena is for the is to get in okay the floor. so do they do posters for every concert they do okay and you know so i it's I'm, t-shirts I'm, too right t-shirts too yeah, yeah. i am uh thrilled crazy. to be here because I got to watch this particular arena being built from the ground up when I lived about four blocks away from here. And every day when I'd walk by here, I kept on saying to myself, someday fish is going to be in this arena. <laughs> and, and then I moved. <laughs> <laughs> and someday is now today. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So we are hanging out here. We're going to do a little bit of a show for everyone out there in the internet world, as well as for this wonderful crowd that we have here for, for us. Thanks everyone for hanging with us here today. We're going to talk about two things kind of broadly and then kind of get into the specifics of, we're going to talk about fish in San Francisco and kind of what the vibe of this city, the history of this city has meant to fish uh, playing in San Francisco, how it's informed their larger career in some ways, as well as we're going to talk about the differences between summer and fall tour, kind of what it feels like when you transition from, the sheds into these indoor venues when you are hugged and embraced by Chris Carrera's lights and when fish's jams tend to get very dark and just exploratory and amazing. But before we do that, as we've done so many times here on HF pod this year, we are going to talk about summer 2021 really, really quickly. I'm going to start down with you, RJ. Can you tell me just kind of your brief thoughts about fish summer 2021 and what your favorite show that you saw during the summer was? Oh man. Um, thank you. And I, I do, I do want to hear Benji. I want to hear, well, I actually want to hear everyone's thoughts on last night at some point, which we is technically fall, but I, I'll, I'll just address summer by saying the last show I saw is always my favorite show, which is, kind of a cop out but the last show i saw was sunday night at dicks and before that was sunday night of ac and both of those were the best shows of the summer i saw and then before that was the friday night of ac and before that was the second night of nashville so at this point i saw some good shows i saw some really good shows i i think the i think sunday night of ac was maybe my favorite show experience of the summer but um there's there was almost no disappointments in all of summer from my perspective um, but I'm going to go with Sunday night AC. Benji, what about you? Well, I I agree with you. There's basically it was a it was an undefeated season this summer. Um, but I personally uh, I I felt that the tweezer from Shoreline night two, and also uh, night one uh, I thought both of those combined were, were that Shoreline run talking of fish in the Bay Area. 
uh, even of those accidental fish in the Bay Area. Yes, it was a good uh, accident. I, I thought that it was incredible because it was so last minute. The venue was half empty, which I loved. Uh, I know not everybody loves that for uh, you know various reasons, but I, I loved it because it meant that there's plenty of space. And I thought that the band really, I, I thought that they nodded to the Tahoe Tweezer um, since they were supposed to be in, Ta in Tahoe that weekend. I thought it was a great little nod. Um, and uh, I thought it was the best tweezer of the summer, my favorite jam of the summer. And also, uh, I have to go with uh, the popular opinion that Deer Treat, Treat Night 1 and, yeah. uh, and Nashville Night 2 uh, had some of the best playing of the summer by far. Well, Benji kind of stole mine. Um, I have <laughs> we can some share. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to share. Um, so it's night two of Shoreline. I, I only got to see in person two shows this this summer, and of course, attendance bias. Those Shoreline shows were amazing. Um, I'm all about gratitude. Fish fills me with gratitude all the time, and that show, those both of those shows were filled with gratitude so much because the the ability to pivot in the way that they did, I mean, they were keeping their eye on the ball the whole time and making it happen. It's not easy to just move into another venue. And so Team Fish making that happen and all of us changing all of our plans last minute, like yeah. it was, that, that was really intense for me. And that tweezer was killer. Yeah. But no one's mentioned... The Soul Planet. Well, the Soul, that, but that's just like, I, I alluded, that, that doesn't need to be well, I, said. I alluded to the Soul Planet because I felt that what, what you know, I, what I think, with all due respect to the song, when we talked about the Soul Planet from, from uh, Shoreline, I, what I think we're all referring to is the massive amount of music that was attached to it. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. Brian, can I ask you a quick question about the Soul Planet? Always. Does Do you think there was any intention there with like, going so far out there with a song that is, I, I would say, divisive? I think the band likes to mess with us at any chance that they can. And I think, um, I like to think about those at home who are not paying for the webcast who get one free song on Facebook right, <laughs> right when the band starts. And if you, if you go back and if you, if you pull up the YouTube of just the Soul Planet Jam, there's nonstop complaining about, oh man, the only free song we got was Soul Planet. And then five minutes goes by and people are like, oh, this is actually pretty good. 10 minutes goes by, oh, this is actually a really good Soul Planet. 25, 35, 40 minutes goes by and suddenly everybody is celebrating Soul Planet. Like Soul Planet is now the next time that they play it is going to be like the next time that they played Lawn Boy after the Baker's Dozen version where everybody is going to lose their mind. And that is a brilliant, brilliant move of an about face by Fish. My thought on it as well, when I said earlier that they were they gave a nod to Tahoe Tweezer, I, it wasn't the Tweezer from Shoreline. They did that the second night. It was the Soul Planet because I feel like how do you how by everyone there was supposed to be in Tahoe. Everyone knew that the shows were supposed to be in Tahoe. So how do you kind of nod to that without nodding to it? And how do you kind of honor that tweezer without playing tweezer? Sure. You know? And so, and they even had a, they even built in a little, little woo, you know, a little woo nod. A little woo in there. Yeah. Brian, you, you, you still haven't shared your summer show because so my I interrupted thoughts on you. summer tour were that it completely uh, exceeded my expectations. I expected the band to, slowly dip their toes back into the water and it seemed like there were interesting enough moments in the arkansas show everything seemed to open up with the carini at alabama and they never looked back from that point uh, i think that some of the improvisation and some of the use of technology and equipment within the overall summer tour was brilliant it 
brought this new sound, these new communication opportunities between Paige and Trey, especially. John Fishman destroyed the summer tour like he owed it or owed him something. MVP. Uh, absolute MVP. My favorite show of the uh, summer tour that I saw was the third night of Dicks as well. Um, although you gave, I think, three options. Um, my favorite show that I heard was Shoreline Night One. But I have to give a really big shout out to the Ruby Waves from Hershey Night Two. Oh, wow. Feel like I never hear anyone talk about it. Fantastic jam. That that was a great Ruby Waves, and and you know talking about a song that has a lot of expectation after the Alpine, you know after the Alpine Valley version. Yeah, it's a song that almost is. Um, well, that was like its fourth or fifth version when it yeah. jammed for thirty eight minutes. It's kind of now almost brought down in a sense by the expectations, and it has exceeded it i think we, i think there's there's been some just fascinating innovative jams and that hershey ver, her version was great we saw that uh, earlier in, in 1.0 with the runaway gym when they played the runaway gym at worcester totally. centrum and then the very next time they played it everybody was like oh they're gonna get along and then i i, I believe it was at pittsburgh at star lake and when it was a uh, summer 98 yeah summer 98 exactly right great version yeah well at the risk of talking about summer 2021, as long as the Soul Planet from Shoreline, <laughs> let's transition quickly. We are now segway. we are we are at the se- this segway. is a this is a carrot segue. This is not a full segue. Is this uh, Life Boy? This is a, this is Life Boy. Um, <laughs> we are the, the we are on the onset of the second show of Fish's Fall Tour here at the Chase Center in just gorgeous San Francisco, California. Warm. What an amazing day! Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Um, Fish opened their summer tour last night with a show that they played at the Golden One Arco Center. Arena. The Golden uh, One Center. No, I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. well, that's, but that's what, what yeah. it was used to be. The beautiful thing, right? Golden it, it, One Center. Gorgeous, it, it gorgeous, gorgeous stadium. It was like 10 miles away. It was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. The only thing that's missing that. from that stadium now that Fish has played it is Chris Weber and Vladi Divac and Pedro Stoyakovic playing amazing basketball one of the but best. until that happens um, again kings are up in the preseason they are, they're doing really uh, well i'm, I'm here for halliburton and healed i'm here for halliburton I, and healed i thought that it was really funny last night when trey said when was the last time we were here yeah because <laughs> they had never been there before the arena yep. itself is is like what five 2016 yeah 2016 He's like, I think it's been nine years. Far, like, no, no, far no, be no. it for no. me. Yeah. 25 for years from Sacramento and never in the Golden One. But never. man, since 2016 when they opened, I've been like, yeah, Fish needs to play here. They used to have, on in Section 217, there was a vendor that had a glazed donut with a spicy chicken sandwich. <laughs> and would you know, right before COVID, it went away. And uh, so we yeah. didn't get our spicy chicken sandwich on a donut. I'm sorry, Paige. I what, tried. What section? It was 217. So there'll be a clothing store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want the spicy chicken sandwich. Bring it back. Well, far be it for me to want to correct Trey at any point mid fish, but he seemed to think that the band had played in Sacramento nine years ago. It was 25 years ago, as you yeah. said. In that building that didn't exist at the time. Correct. <laughs> what were your thoughts generally about? What I would just say is a very interesting, albeit slightly strange, tour opener in in a positive way. I thought it was – I enjoyed last night's show, but both of you were there. What were your thoughts on the show? Well, as a crafter, I would call it a hodgepodge. There you go. Lots of beautiful moments all kind of thrown together, maybe not completely. We don't know what we're doing, but flowing, something's going to happen. Yeah, right? Let's see what happens. And it was it was amazing. I, I feel similar. I think that the that the Mercury was the first time that they really got to open up. Sure. And that makes a lot of sense to me because, you know, the first set back, it's sort of like, oh, hey, guys, 
hey, you know, and of course, as we all know, Trey has been playing uh, and playing incredibly at that, you know, at, at that for the past, you know, he did a 13-show tour, I believe it's 13-show tour with Tab, and uh, and the other guys, it's been two months since Dips, they were obviously rehearsed, but I feel like it, the first set was sort of uh, getting reacquainted and with the audience as well, and everyone settling in, and then they did the Mercury, and then from there, it was a hodgepodge, and it, it certainly was, you know, a little bit hit or miss, but the, the hits were there, and I, I walked out of there extremely satisfied. It was super loose. Like, they, yes. they weren't trying to, like, you know, some Saturday night shows or the or the first show, like, sometimes it's just like a, they play something for eight minutes, really try to push it, and then move on to the next song, push it for eight minutes. Like, they're looking for a thing. It didn't seem like last night they were, like, searching. for. They were just kind of, like, playing and having fun, which seems refreshing in, in a way for, like, a show where it's not, like, locked into a crazy jam or something. You know, like, when you you get word of what a sound check was, and you're like, oh, my God, they played that song during sound check? Of course we're going to get it during a show now. And then you don't hear it at all during the tour. It's usually, like, a rare song. Like, Dog Log was like this for a long time in the 90s. It felt like a sound check come to life where we are now entering the fourth quarter of the show and they suddenly decide to play tube and we find ourselves in brother. Okay. I guess we're going to play brother right now. Um, we're going to play when the circus comes like at some point we have to close the set, but we have no idea when this is actually going to happen. And it didn't really matter. It just like, I was on my couch just like, all right, you guys do whatever you want. It feels like you're loose. feels like you're having fun. The venue seems to be enjoying it. Uh, we're just going to play a song that we wrote in 1984 and never played again. And so to bed, why not? We're here. This is fall tour. And so to bed was interesting that, but you brought up brother. And I think uh, brother may be the only, I, I, I haven't actually fat checked myself on this, but brother may be the only fish song that they've ever played twice in a row more than once. They've played it twice in a row uh, on several occasions. Now there was that, that Hampton brother where they did it two times in a row. And there was the island tour where they played it twice in a row. Yeah, and then the island tour, and then and then of course uh, the radio friendly version. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, totally, exactly right. That's what I was thinking of. And then and then last night. But one of the things I was looking for going into the show last night, and that I we got kind of we kind of got an answer on it, and that's that this summer, as as we all know, Trey has the Jedi effect, and he he's using these new he has new they, they all have new equipment, and I was very curious uh, to see, especially with Trey more than the other guys, because Trey's new guitar tones and what he's capable of doing through effects, the way he's making his guitar sound, it's very arena rockish. It's like made, yeah. it's like classic rock. It's made for a, a rock arena show. And so to hear it inside reverberating off the walls, I couldn't wait to hear it. He went out, he was a little light on it last night, but when he did use it, it was, it was exactly as you, as you'd expect. There was some growling. Yeah. There was some serious growling. growling. Definitely some growling. Uh Aliza, did you hear any, did it feel laid back or, or like loose to you or did it feel like? Definitely laid back and loose, but I, I feel like maybe the growling might've been me. I, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really intense show and really fun. Um, so yeah, that might've been me a little still. Well, it's going to be interesting to see where this leads the tour. I don't feel like I have a good, I think it's going to take now like a show or two for us to know what this tour is going to feel like. Is it going to be a jamming tour? Are we going to hear a lot of bust outs? Like, where is the band going with this? And last night gave us seven different indications of where they could go. Like, uh, yeah, like instead of bed, it's like, oh, are they, did they learn a lot of like, are they going to slowly, you know, one by one play some white album right. debuts? But my, my question 
is after the summer tour, I felt like going into the fall tour, I, I felt up until last night, I, I, without giving it too much thought, I felt like it would feel natural for them to kind of continue that same sort of outline of doing these big monster, you know, 20 minute jams uh, and having the return of the first set as well. Um, so I, I don't know that we got those answers last night. So I'm really interested to see where this tour goes. Well, it's going to be fascinating to see what we get here tonight. Second night of tour, first night of a two night run. First time the band has played it's gonna at be the awesome. Chase Center. I'm really excited. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. It's, it's going to be, be awesome. Up. Yeah, that's the one thing we know about this tour. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Also, can we just talk quickly about the influence of the Tab tour? Because sure, which wasn't Tab at all. It was it was it Tab, was, and then it was something else, and the, then it was John Fishman. But by the end, tab. by the end, it was just like a jamming vehicle, like literally, and that that's got to. I feel like last night, even hearing them in the middle of, you know, Mercury, it was just like they were back pretty seriously it didn't feel like sometimes in like a summer tour opener it's like it's been six months since they play together and it's sort of they're sort of finding their groove but it felt to me like they were they from the moment they started they were they were in sync did that did you feel like that in the venue it did and, and, and uh, i mean at least at least to me it did and it also i think uh, a lot of that might have to do with it, the fact that it wasn't just trey it was trey and fishman and yeah. with the when the two of them are playing, if they're in sync, then Mike and Paige are going to be in sync. Yep. You know, it, it's it all goes down. It's it all comes play. down to Fishman. You know, and he doesn't usually do tours before a fish tour. Right. Yeah. Well, let's put a pin in that because it's something I want to talk about here later, a bit later in the show. Is kind of where are we hearing the band as they come back in fall tour, and how has that historically yeah. impacted them? But I think we should transition to the meat of the show, where we talk a bit about fish in this historic amazing and let me just say it again like you're just seeing a bit of this online gorgeous day in san francisco california i didn't know that we get this weather in october the wind is starting now but it is an absolutely gorgeous day um bit of history fish has played ahead of these two shows in san francisco california 25 times within the city limits now if you expand as we all know san francisco thanks to the 49ers are playing down in Santa Rosa. Where does where do they play? Santa Clara, <laughs> Sa Santa Clara, and and also they play down in Big Sur. I don't know. At no, this point. It's it's Santa Clara, which is without traffic, forty five minutes, but more more realistically, about two hours from here. And uh, this is the, the what we're looking at right now, the Chase Center. It's the very first arena of this size to be. You know, it's brand new. Built in San and, Francisco. Uh, and I'm telling. I mean, they had the Bill Graham, which they went to, but that was almost an underplay for them because that sure. was you know less than ten thousand. This is the first arena inside the city limits. So if you expand beyond the city limits, they've played somewhere in the range of 20 to 25 additional shows. So we're looking at about 50 shows in this gorgeous area of America. Which, by the way, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. that's insane given how thousands of shows. I right. mean, they're from Vermont, which is almost as far from here as you can get in the continental U.S. But the fact that like and there's so many historic shows from from the early 90s onward. It's amazing to me that there have only been, you know, I mean, that's like a small shows. fraction of shows that have been played in this area. And it's not like this state, really. I mean, there's been some L.A. shows and some other Calif like California shows. But this this state is generally underrepresented in terms of number of shows, but overrepresented in terms of fish history, I think. And yes. also, while they've had a mid badge of, of touring out uh, on the West Coast, 
going back to April 92, you know, which is one of my favorite early months of fish, they played a, a, a number of truly, you know, phenomenal shows a little north of here, yeah. you know, in, in, uh, in Mendocino and, and uh, in Eureka and, and Humboldt. Uh, and, up, you know, basically Northern California as early as 92. Yeah, and it's a good point, and it's something I wanted to ask you all about is the the quantity of shows does not uh, hearken to the impact that these shows have had. And every time they seem to come here, we're right now in the midst of probably the biggest repeat amount of shows that we would get in San Francisco in a short time, time frame. They played Shoreline in late August, early September. Now they're playing San Francisco here. Those were two really important shows. The 92 shows you're talking about were really important. They closed out 1.0 here. So they clearly love this area, even though they haven't played here this often. They, they come here kind of on a once-a-year tour stop. What do you all think that San Francisco has meant to fish in the sense that they may not play a lot, but they really seem to bring everything to, to the shows when they play here? Oh, break it into me first. All right. Um, well, man, I moved here to San Francisco from upstate New York, real close to where fish was. It's There's something about the energy here, like stepping away from fish. Look at Star Trek. Gene Roddenberry put the Starfleet Academy here in San Francisco for a reason. So wow. there's a lot of really really good energy in, in this bay. I love cultural analogies to fish. Keep yeah, going with this. Keep going. All, all, all <laughs> you can just run with hear my, all my Star yeah, Trek I, analogies. I did, because yeah. all I was going to say was Paige's brother's here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's a special place. Um, it's, it's, it's open and, you know, this is where the summer of 69 went down. Yeah. There's Hippie Hill and it's all about the love vibe out here. So that it's, San Francisco is a special place. What do you guys think it was like for fish to come out here? And I guess the first time they played here was probably 91 um, or, or 92. October 91. October 91. And then they Steve played. Silverman was there. You guys work on Undermine, and we talked about it in uh, Great American so Musical. I've never yes, heard of it. Go. Is that a movie? Oh, I love that venue. Uh, Undermine is a fish podcast presented by Osiris. Keep going. Okay. What do you guys think they experienced coming? Like, we know about Colorado. They came. They went to Colorado, and it was like they kind of established a different kind of vibe and fan base there do you think in 92 or late 91 they came out here and were like another it's another city to hit or do you think they felt the, the history of the dead and the history of everything they were kind of stepping into yeah. i i definitely feel like they, they they felt that history because not only do they know the history but the fans are sometimes when fish goes into a new market when they went into a new market in the 90s there was sort of you had to have the fish elders that were on tour kind of instruct the kids how to enjoy a show yeah. or how to be respectful at a show, how to, how to handle yourself at a show, what you can and can't do this, you know, like the, the fish contract, which is different than a normal social contract. But I feel the audiences in the Bay area already know that yeah. because they're already used to the audiences in the Bay area are used to two set shows from bands that improvise. And it's, uh, it, it, as, you know, as you were just saying, it's, it's everywhere here. There's music history. It's everywhere. There's, you know, Carlos Santana's high school is about two miles from there. The Grateful Dead formed here. You know, uh, there's, but uh, Jefferson Airplane's house was about two miles that direction. Uh, Janis Joplin also lived about two miles that direction. And so when you talk about that type of history, the audience is here. And now it's, and the fish shows, some people I know that were going to those shows, their parents were deadheads. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. and so I feel like it's just uh, it it is a part of the history here. The the influence I feel like the Dead has had on Fish isn't so much about the music as it is more about the community and like yeah. how it travels, how to how to be respectful, how to be kind, all that kind of stuff. So that's what really has influenced yeah. Fish more than any kind of the sound. Yeah, I in my yeah. opinion. And I don't, I don't want to uh, spoil my own, my my own selection for a favorite show, but I uh, from the Bay Area. But um, I will say that there is an exchange that Trey had with with uh, with Trixie Garcia that I really feel speaks to what we're talking about with the influence, and that's that in nine uh, in 2012 for the the very first uh, three night run at Bill Graham, Trixie Garcia, Jerry's daughter, called me up. I'm friends with her, and she didn't know quite how big into fish I was. So she said, "Hey, I have tickets for this band, Fish. If you want to come with me," and I said, "All right, I, I got tickets, but I'll bring you with me." You know, so so we came here and uh, and to to the build ground, and at uh, we had because of his Tritzy, we had Corn Capshaw from uh, from Red Light came to greet us, and building and, and at set break. They went to to fetch us, and I told Tritzy, I said, "I'm staying here. You go because I, I whatever's going to happen, I don't I don't want to be there." For it. and we had been partying a little bit, and you know, there's a very sober environment backstage, and so I was very respectful of that. So I, I, I again, I opt, I opted to stay in my seat. Tritzy came back after that first set, after that set break, white as a ghost, and looking like she just had like a, an emotional. And what happened was. She that was her, the first time she met Trey, and the first time Trey met her, for that matter. And Trey said to her, and you know, keep in mind her mind frame at that point was she was partying, she was with a friend, you know, she's not a fish head. And uh, Trey said to her, "When you go back out for a second set, I want you to look around. Every single person in this building, including myself, we're all here because of your dad." You wow. know, and and he cried while he told her that. You know, and so I think that. Having him cry, telling his, Jerry's daughter, every person in this building is here because of your dad, directly or indirectly, that, that's heavy. But that also that, that betrays the fact that they are very cognizant of the history. Yeah, I know when we were talking with early fans from the 1980s for Undermine Season 1, a lot of them were talking about the fact that they thought of Burlington as San Francisco of the East in a lot of cases. And I think if you look at those tours, especially when you get to like 1990, 91, 92, 93, when Fish was playing 150, 170 shows a year, and they were doing a full swipe of the United States and then back and then back again, they would work up to San Francisco. And every time they came to, came to San Francisco, and you can see it in these early shows, they added something a little bit yeah. extra to it. They would debut big songs. There would be an extra jam that would be added. They knew that when they were here, they were amidst something that they had to both intentionally tap into, but also just like absorb. And it all comes down to, to Jerry and the influence that he had on the band, the influence he's had on the scene. And you feel that when you're here. And they've also had a lot of special guests in the Bay area. I feel like, you know, in the, in the past, historically, they've had yeah. a lot of special guests the, in terms of how they don't, they don't often have special guests. Period. There's a little band called the Grateful Dead, yeah. once known as the Warlocks. Few members have joined the band as they yeah. played here, and then you have Santana joining Trey Anastasio band at the War. Two thousand three, yeah. amazing second set, yeah. Brian, can I ask you a question? You can. You have thought about this the most. Not not to not to accuse anyone else of anything. What's your favorite 
San Francisco fish show to date? 4-17-1992. All right. Um, That's Benji, the right answer. It's the right answer. Benji was alluding to this. Um, I'm just going <laughs> to pull my notes out here really quick so I don't mess anything up because I, I know that you all want to hear factual information. Um, there's a run that Fish did in April of 1992 that is up there with my favorite weeks in all of Fish history. 4-16-92 Anaconda is an incredibly famous show. Uh, 4-18-92 they play at Stanford. That's the Linus and Lucy uh Harry Hood, 421.92 in Eureka, amazing tweezer. Perhaps the first post-1988 amazing fish jam that like leaves yeah. tweezer and goes into this space that it's beautiful showcases where the band's gonna go. Incredible but, show. Amazing show. But 417.92 at the Warfield, Fish's first show at the Warfield. You get an incredible rebound set one where they move beyond the theme of Reba. They get into the jam and it goes into an early type two area. You get a Bowie catapult Bowie. And then in the second set, you get these four songs in a row. And I just want to watch you all lose your collective minds. You enjoy myself, Fluffhead, Squirming Coil, Tweezer, all in a row. Now, 1992 Fish had a far smaller rotation and a smaller song catalog. So you were going to hear bigger songs in a second set. But getting those kind of songs back to back to back to me that's the band here in san francisco saying we're putting it all on the line for this i, I just want to say that uh the 41692 show from santa cruz that was my first i had a bunch of tapes and then i got that as a fish cd wow followed me to gamehenge yes and it was like a soundboard recording of this show that was just i mean that tour was just incredible april 92 one of the best months of fish yeah incredible yeah, incredible um all right, can we keep? Should we should we go down the line about favorite you, San Francisco? Yeah, what, shows? what was your favorite oh, San Francisco fuck. show? Shit, um, <laughs> I'm just gonna say that it was the last time I was here, which was Bill Graham 2018. I got to see both nights, and the second night, Say Your Soul Free, was just first of all, it was the first I had seen shows at Bill Graham. I lived here for a couple of years, so I saw a lot of shows around the city, but it was during the hiatus, and I gotta say that the that venue for fish is just perfect. I think it might be the best venue to see fish because it's small. Like the lighting works. The sound is great. It's got the Dick's GA vibe, but it's, it's tiny and it feels intimate. It's, it's a really and special it, it place. It has history too. The Grateful Dead used to do their new year shows there uh, for a couple years. And when, uh, in what, what years? In the, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you offhand. I believe the one I, I cause I had the, I had it on cassette tape uh, was, in the mid eighties, mid eighties, okay. mid eighties. Yeah. And then, uh, in the time since I've been living in the city, uh, or since I moved out to California, which was in 2007 at that time, Phil was doing a lot of shows there mm. further played new year's show there. Um, and then Phil and friends did a new year show there. So it has history. I mean, it's called the bill Graham's, yeah, 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 yeah. it. but then it's interesting because dead and company do their new year's here now at the chase. That's right there for people watching at home. I just think like the, so that second night of 2018 was, first of all, Say Your Soul Free. It was the peak of Trey's like Leslie yes. pushed jams that just like, it was like robot dancing everywhere. And it was, it was so fun. It was such a great two night run. Um, so I, I, I do often go back in my mind to the, the Mac and Cheese jam from 94 mm -hmm. at Warfield because that was one of the first tapes I got. And I was like, what the fuck is going on with this band? 
and there's everyone's shaking boxes of mac you, and you cheese. You want to explain that? So, because not everybody. I mean, I I know Go what you're talking it. about, but there. I. Well, I don't. I actually all I know is that they're. They handed out. They handed out. I'm not sure because I wasn't there, but allegedly they handed out all these mac and cheese boxes, and uh, for the audience to use as percussion. Uh, uh, yet another example of fish fan interaction. Shaking, shaking the mac and cheese during during the during the jam, and that that was like a tape you get where it's like mac and cheese jam, and you're like, oh, this. Benji, what's your what's your pick? <laughs> uh, my pick for favorite. I, mean, I I'm inclined to say, like you said, you know, my uh, the last shows that I saw in the Bay Area were the two Shoreline so uh, shows from the summer. However, historically, my favorite is the August nineteenth, two thousand twelve, Bill Graham show uh, that I just talked so about good. bringing Tritzy Garcia there. Um, so th there's that attendance bias because of that experience and uh, just watching Jerry's daughter react to fish in real time. Their first show was priceless, but it happened to be. An incredible show that I still go back to and listen to. It was the very first of these cross-side shows where they kind of organically went back into cross-side and painless. They had done that before, but but that night I, I felt was the the best example of that. And uh, on top of that, I mean, it was just it was one of those nights where they had the improvisation. They had the the big drop in light, and it was my favorite light until the light that came later on uh, that same season. It dips. And uh, I also feel that then for song selection, it was I, not only do you have the big jams, you end with you enjoy myself, and then you come out on stage and you do ride Captain Ride. Like perfect and, in and that venue. Perfect. It, it's, it's first, yeah, exactly right. For their, their big return to San Francisco, closing this big run, ride Captain Ride, and then Tweezer Reprise. And of course, the Tweezer Reprise was capping off the Tweezer from two nights earlier. So uh, I just thought it was, a, it was a perfect night of music. All right, I, I'm having a hard time. It's like a toss-up because, and they're both That's attendance a good problem, yeah. It is, it is. It's, so there's 10.29.14, and so I'm a person about feelings. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not a musician. I can't break down in the same way that you guys can. You guys are amazing. Love sitting between you. We're, we're, we're going to transition but, to the feelings section. Yeah, the I'm, yeah, I'm all about this. the feelings. I'm, I'm, I'm on the feelings front, too. Yeah. 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 I'm going to fishy here. <laughs> so the... the, uh, the 10 29 14 show the feelings because of the giants winning like first of all it was super yeah. awesome to be able to go there really late have dinner and still be able to get way up front on the floor so really thank awesome. you giants for that um and then when when they won and like the scream comes over the crowd like from the back instead of from the front the way you usually see it from the front because somebody's seeing the band do something but it came from the back towards the front and then it hit the band and then they played "We Are the Champions," and it, we were, and I, or we, we were yeah. just talking about this. Um, the the feeling of "We Are the Champions." Everyone's got a sports team. Mine was the Adirondack Red Wings when they won the Calder Cup the same year as the Miracle on Ice. Yeah. And they played "We Are the Champions," and that burned it into my nine year old soul. Like, so when when Fish played it out here, I just blew my mind it's it, like it, and I, in I'm, brain. I'm a Giants fan and being there that night I had you know normally if a crowd erupts for a sport a sporting a store at a fish show I kind of roll my eyes and I'm like oh what a distraction but that night I was like oh yeah yeah don't play whatever we just won <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So the other one is gonna have to be um the the end of the end of 1.0 the hiatus show oh, that was yeah. really intense you know, the, the night before, um, Bobby had come out, and so there was that nod to the Grateful Dead. But 
the second night, it was like, it was all about fish. Yeah. We're not having any guests here. This is all us. We're here for you. And then that, that the close, when we all just stood there and, and cheered, that was still gives me. I was going to say, did you cry? I wasn't I did. at that show. I, did. Did. I still yeah. cry sometimes. Oh I just played it like last weekend um, on the, on the channel and I cried. <laughs> I'm a feelings it, person. It's the most beautiful you enjoy myself vocal jam I've ever yeah. heard. Like they they harmonize. It it sounds like like an orchestral moment. It's uh, it's beautiful. And the yeah. tweezer from that show and it almost it's it's like a greatest hit show. Yeah. I don't know how you close out that chapter in your career better than that. Yeah, that was amazing. Contrast uh, that with Coventry. <laughs> not going there. A lot of feelings. Yeah, a lot of a lot talk of about feelings. feelings. Yeah. yeah And now a word from our friends at Shift Genuine Cannabis. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Well, so as we've talked about here for the last couple of minutes, like the feeling of this city and we are going to walk into this venue here it's gorgeous chase center to see what should be an amazing show tonight coming off of a very fascinating fall tour opener yesterday which hey there's my podcasting segue our second segment of this show we are going to talk about the differences and the themes of summer tour versus fall tour and we are walking into our first true fall tour i don't consider 2019 to be a fall tour you guys may differ from me, but, you know, it's a run. 2018 was our last true fall tour, ended with Halloween. Walking into a really special period in the year for fish. Summer tour is all about the sheds. It's all about road trips. It's all about parties. Fall tour, usually there's a bit of a chill in the air. We're indoors. The band has warmed up over a period in time. We're going to talk a little bit about the differences between fall and summer tours and kind of what to anticipate with this. What do you guys think is the biggest difference between fish, summer, and fall tours? Kind of condense that into a couple sentences. Lights. Like that? Well. <laughs> That's it? So, so That's the only difference. Light, yeah. We'll move on. Yeah. Well, the lights go down. It's instantaneous. Uh, and I feel like in playing into what you're saying, I know exactly what you mean. Because, because when the lights go down, as opposed to a gradually setting sun... It, 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 there's a, a transition from the real world into stepping through the door into game engine, however you want to say it, that happens instantaneously. And so you get, you, you, it's significant and you get that rush. But also Trey used to talk, um, now he hasn't mentioned, uh, talked about this for a while, probably because Fish has been in similar rooms for a while. But I remember in the 90s, he would talk in, in like guitar world interviews, for instance, about how the band would have to learn how to play to these different rooms and how playing to an arena is vastly different than playing to a theater. And 
I feel like, you know, 96 maybe that was when they were kind of learning about like how the, when the wall, you know, when, when the, when the guitar is reverberating off the back wall and yet at the same time, you know, it, it and that going with the lights, it's a different thing. It's arena rock. They're, that's literally a genre of music, arena rock. And when Fish plays arena, arenas, they embrace arena rock in a way that they, they've learned how to play to those rooms. Just like when they play to the Dorge, they're playing to that big wide open space. Same with Dips. They play a certain way at Dips. They're playing to that space. And I really feel like uh, Fall Tours are more intense fish because being in an arena is a much more intense energy. Then, it's immediate. Yeah, it's immediate. Yeah. It's immediate. I, I I saw my first show at a fall. My first two shows were fall 95 and fall 96. And I didn't see a summer show until 97. Nope. I know. <laughs> Believe me. Um, to me, like indoor fish is what it's all about. And it's a little bit scary to go into a, a building with all these wooks. But I got to say, like, there's the fact that when the lights go down it's dark immediately it's it's a totally different experience yeah. sound sonically visually everything it's so great i think fish is a band that's made for indoor shows and i love outdoor shows at this point but then you're like in the middle of the first set and it's still light out and they're playing reba and you're like kind of like walking into the bathroom and it's like you, it doesn't command attention in the same way that an indoor show does. It's because of the opinion. lights. Because of the lights. Yeah. The lights go down and every and everyone's focus is on the stage versus seeing people wander around and find different friend groups. It's very distracting yeah. for the band as well because yeah. the band's playing and they're looking out and they're seeing people go to the hot dog stand and they're seeing <laughs> a bunch of mediocre bones. folks. Yeah, right, but right. yeah, they're seeing a bunch of mediocre looking audiences <laughs> doing <laughs> mediocre things, not raging. But in an arena, the lights go down and all of a sudden they it's, can't see it's, anything. You can't say anything. Well, and there's a lot of there's places for the music to escape in a shed. Yeah. It just floats out into the air. And that's yeah. like where you get people talk about the gorge sound. You know, the the music leaves the stage and it just it's gone. It drifts off. And there's something special about the way the band sounds there. There's no place for the sound to escape here. No. You're trapped, it hits the walls, it bounces back, it reverberates. It bounces, yeah, it reverberates. Yeah. And so when they get into a big jam, when they get into you know, even just a character zero rock peak. You feel it a little bit more there. Character Zero was written for the for Arena Rock for them transitioning yeah, into yeah. that. Yeah, I also just think like if if you, in my opinion, if you think about like the most intense continuous periods of fish. There's like fall December ninety five. There's like fall December ninety seven. There's December ninety nine, fall thirteen, like, and then maybe more after that. That's kind Baker's of where Dozen I would have probably, but they, they did a fall tour in the summer, yeah, in 2017, basically. 2017, yeah, and 20 like the 2019 shows in December were great. Like I, I don't know. I think it's almost it's almost always awesome. I guess is my I, point. I wonder if there if some of the appeal of uh, some of the appeal and mystique of fish at Madison Square Garden, which is a definitely a thing. There's, you haven't seen fish until you've seen fish at MSG. But I wonder if a part of that is just that it is not only the world's most famous arena, but it is also just happens to be the arena that's in New York City. And so, you know, that's why it's the most famous yeah. arena. And so I wonder if people say there's nothing like fish at MSG. Really, what I think they're saying is there's nothing like an arena fish show. So 
we've gotten it broken down why fall tour is special just in a general sense. How do you all think that summer tour inf- influences and informs a fall tour? How does it, how does the sound of the summer transition to fall? Feel free to use an example. I mean, for me, it, it's the summer 97 raw funk sound that transitions into this more glossy fall 97 sound where it's a little bit more refined. They're going for jams on a regular basis, but they get there a little bit faster. What do you all hear when you hear fall versus summer? Interesting. I, you know, I, I kind of feel like it, on the one hand it's a continuation. I'm thinking about like, you know, the 94 is a good example. 95, uh, yeah, but 95, though, you had those very spacey, you know, ambient summer shows. And then I felt like the, the transition into the fall had more to do. And that wasn't all arenas. Those were various size venues across the country in 95. And I feel like that was the, the transition. It, it, again, it goes back to what we were talking about, about the intensity of being indoors. Even if it's not in an arena, even in a theater, you get that intensity from that instant the lights go out. So, you know, I think that that, that to me, I'm, this tour, I'm looking to see how much of a continuation we have of the best, the things that we love the most about the summer. I'm curious to see how those transition into the arena and also the new setups, the new, the new sounds that they're able to make. Exactly. That's where I was going to go with that, too, is like not even talking about the past, but just about the future is that. Yeah. What happened over fall tour this year informs like they're they're playing it like elevated, you know, they've got they've got all the best equipment. They're they're communicating at a different level. They're finally learning to tap into their voice and really enunciate and use it and hearing all those things come together because they've always done pieces of that throughout all the eras. But now it's like, all right, we got this dialed. Now let's really play with everything that we've done. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to say that like summer tour is practice, but that's kind of what it feels like in some ways. When you met, when you brought up 97, like I saw some summer 97 shows and I saw a bunch of fall 97 shows. And to me, it was like they were figuring out what they were going to do and then they did it in the fall. But I, now it's different. Like that, yeah, that, that, that different. didn't happen this summer. They no. weren't practicing this summer. No, it, it is different. 99 is another good example of that. You know, 99, I felt like they, when, when yeah. they went into the fall arenas, it kind of kind of felt like a continuation, but it felt like it dialed in. Like this is what the the summer led us here. Yeah. And '99, there's also that feeling of barreling towards the millennium, and you know, there, so they had that chaotic energy to to that tour as well. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm really curious to see what they do with with the energy from the summer in, in arenas now. Well, uh, think- do, do you guys think that they do the equivalent of a performance review? Like, do you think that after a summer, <laughs> after a summer tour, they they individually look back at the footage or listen and and they say, "Oh, is is that why they dial it in in the fall? Because they have like it's fresh in their minds." So, who met all their KPIs? This I summer, mean, is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. We all know the answer to that, yeah. but. <laughs> yeah. They haven't analyzed a single show since 97. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's <laughs> They're, not exactly right. Yeah. They're not allowed. They're not allowed. It's against the rules. I do think, like, it's interesting. Well, one thing we haven't talked about yet, and, and maybe we, we're, we've we talked about everything, and we're, like, we've we've taken a lot of these people's time. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Um, one thing we haven't talked about is this tab iteration and how this, like, it's basically just been, like, an open jam session for Trey and Fishman, at least the last two weeks of the tab tour. Do you guys think that's carried over at all? I mean, it's obviously going to influence Trey's playing and probably Fishman's, but was there anything last night that you noted that was like... Yeah, sand. So I don't know if I was just imagining this because 
I'm a little bit in love with Desron. Uh-huh. And I don't care who, who knows that. Yeah. Desron Douglas is a lion and he's amazing. And I felt like when Sand came on, it was Mike being like, I'm fucking amazing too. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, Mike, you are. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel it's a, it's a really good question that we will know either tonight or tomorrow. Like, I feel like last night was less about jamming and more about, like what you were saying, how do we take what we did over the summer and move it forward in a sense? Um, what worked? We can't repeat that tour. It's over. It's in the past. But what can we do now to bring it forward? And I think to that standpoint, like I think about summer and fall 95, Summer 1995 is my personal favorite tour the band has ever done because they just threw everything against the wall and said, we don't care that you're a paying customer who's coming to hear a 30-minute noise jam. We need to do this right now, and this is where we're at as a band. Six months later, I would argue the best, objectively the best fish we've ever heard is December 1995. December hands down. And they took that entire sound and they distilled it into perfect 15, 18, 22-minute long jams that had energy that worked within an arena but also was only possible because of the explorations of the yeah. past summer. You know, you know Brian, uh, you and I have never talked about favorite months of fish before. And I we and, are now. I, well, I'm so heartwarmed to, to know that like a- April 92 and December 95 – are two of my, you know, all-time favorite fish months. It makes sense that we'd be on the same page on this, too. Of course. Wombat Matt. Um, hey, yeah. Matt. Hey, Wombat Matt. How's it going, man? <laughs> Thank you guys for coming to say hi. Hey, how are you? Nice to see you, Matt. I just noticed, <laughs> Brian, on your sheet here, it says, opportunity to bring on a guest if someone notable is in the audience. First of all, everyone's notable. But also, <laughs> when we started Osiris in 2018... We had like five podcasts that we brought on to launch Osiris. And one of them was No Simple Road, which was hosted by a guy named Aaron and his wife, Mel, and Apple. And there's a cast of characters that come and go. But I just want to say that Aaron is here in the audience. Are we going to get a porch hang? I think we should... I think we should get a porch hang. Here's the thing. I've never met Aaron in person until this moment. So I just... I want this to be... Part of our part of our show. Hey, Aaron, this is awesome. Uh, we can do the, uh, the the play-by-play at home. Here as well. This is amazing. What's up, RJ? How you doing? I'm good. Man. We're uh, for those at home listening, uh, curious as to what what's going on. It's the parking lot scene here. Uh, it is. It's, it's pre-fish. The lot scene, so uh, we have reunions, introductions. Is there even a parking lot here? Strangers <laughs> stopping strangers just to shake their hand. There is <laughs> a, a parking lot here. Park there, it's right yeah. <laughs> I do want to. Let me ask you one question, Aaron, because you went to the gorge. How has your fish experience been this summer? What was the gorge like? What, like what? What's this summer been like? This summer's been a whirlwind, man. Um, I mean, after lockdown and everything when we saw stuff starting to get announced i bought tickets for everything i could possibly buy tickets for and you know like when you're sitting at home and it's quiet and you're at your computer and you're buying tickets that's one thing but then when you start doing everything that's a whole other ball of wax and it's been the best summer ever like we flew to hershey on a whim like just sitting on the porch and i said you know what we're adults we could do whatever we want let's just go Mel was like, okay. And so we hopped on a plane like three days later and flew to Hershey. And 
that first tube, that first night, dude, it was, it was like a fire hose of energy coming out. Yeah. And um, I just knew we were in the right place. And I was like, you know what? Let's just, let's keep the train going. So this is the start of what? Three shows in five days. So yeah, the gorge was a whirlwind. It's, it was amazing. And we actually did a live podcast from there. And so yeah. it's been really cool. I love it. I don't know what else to say. I love it. Did we it's do so it? so good to see you, Aaron. Good to see you guys too. Did we do it? I have one more question for oh. you. Shit. Stay here. Okay. All right. So we're all walking into, we're going to, we're going to wrap up here and send everyone off to fish in San Francisco. So night good. one of so two. Good. Give me a song or a jam that you want to hear tonight. <laughs> walking into the show. Brian prepped me for this. Because I looked at my stats, which I don't do very often. It's fucking surprising. Yeah. Um, okay. My two, I, I have a lot of not seen songs, obviously. But the two that I haven't seen that I would like to see are, apparently I've never seen Peaches. Yeah, it's crazy, right? And uh, I mean, among a lot of other songs, these are the ones that stood out. Peaches and Light Up or Leave Me Alone, which hasn't been played for a long time, but what an awesome song. I, I love Traffic. John Barleycorn Must Die is one of my favorite albums of all time. And they played it in the Bay Area before. Yeah, like that to me feels somewhat realistic, but that that's 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 my contribution. Love it. I would like to see uh, what I always would like to see, which is a tweezer. Um, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I also want to see them do whatever... When they get out on stage and Trey's like, you know what? I can't wait to play this song. Even if it's, a, a, it's not always going to be the songs that we can't wait for. But, uh, you know, if it could be a Lonely Trip song or, you know, whatever. I, I those When the band is really excited to play something, I want to see that. Because, that you know, I'd much rather see them. I'd much rather that they played something that they're excited about versus Fluffhead just because everyone in the audience is yelling for it. But uh, that said, I also want to another song we talked about earlier. We're in San Francisco. I'd love to see the 73 men ride up from the San Francisco Bay wow. and play a ride cap. Yes. Here we go. I love it. Yeah. I got two. All right. Um, the, here's the far out one. That's probably never going to happen, but Harpua. Yes. And poster lives. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. And then the other one I'd really like to see is I'm really digging casual enlightenment. Yeah. And I'd like to see Mike play with that a little yeah. bit more. They learned it and they only played it once, so they might as well play it again. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it. I like it a lot. So I share Benji's vibe in a tweezer with a big jam. I don't want to be boring, but, you know. It, I'm surprised you, you guys like that song. It tends to work. There's barely any lyrics. There's, it's, it's, it, is it not the dumbest song that every time the greatest I, every, jams ever every, written? Every time I hear it, I'm like, I don't remember this part of it before. <laughs> <laughs> But also how the verses continue and then it's like it seems like they go on for hours and then they drop into the jam. Right. It's always interesting. It, it's interesting. Okay. Um, I hope they can hear us in there. The song I've been chasing my entire time. Mr. Neil Young's Albuquerque. Oh. Just just bring it back. First time since I believe 6, 10, 2011. Be a huge bust out at this uh, point in time. I, I, I hate to bust your bubble, but if they do Neil Young, it should be Powderfinger. <laughs> well, I would lose it as well. Aaron, what do you got? So my first like real fish show experience was in 2015, actually, at um, at the Forum in L.A. And the song that like completely hooked me and blew my mind was Yeah. 
And we have a, a friend of ours that's with us tonight, and it's her first show. So I, when that song ended, I was like, I, I fucking, I just saw every style of music in one song. In one song. It, it just it, happened. I mean, you, and the, I just blew 30 years. I can't believe I haven't you, been. You could write an entire, you could write an entire book about how uh, you enjoy myself is Fish's version of Terrapin Station. Totally. hundred percent. Yeah. And uh, so I would really love for her to get her mind blown with that one. So there's, there's almost no better jumping moment at fish yeah. than the build up to you enjoy myself, you enjoy myself to, to the to the peak. I'm a big jumper, and that's like that's top three jumping moments for top me. Top three jumping moment. Mm -hmm. Yep. My feet don't touch the ground during that yeah. part. No. Well, I think that that's a good place for us to stop. Thank you to everyone who has hung out with us online. This was super fun for us to hang out here today. This glorious afternoon in san francisco we're gonna send you off fish should be going on stage here probably in the next couple hours i'm in a different time zone so i don't know what time we're at right now but um thank you all for hanging out with us thank you all for listening and uh, thank you guys for Osiris. inviting me really appreciate it thank you yeah, it's thank been you. awesome let's do it again soon yeah, we're gonna totally. do this again soon thank you all enjoy tonight's show and uh thank you all we will uh we'll be hanging out inside the venue and it's gonna be a ton of fun thanks everyone be awesome thanks guys see show. you later Experience the trip of a lifetime with History Travel. Explore unique places inspired by the most fascinating events and people of the past with world-renowned historians and local experts as your guide. Go to HistoryTravel.com and sign up today to receive $500 off per person on international trips and $250 off on domestic trips by using promo code PODCAST23 in the special request section of your booking. History Travel is created and managed by Academic Travel Abroad. Offers cannot be combined with other savings. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born 
to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music, because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.